Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, thank you. It's good to be, have you back. I appreciate back that. You. Thank you very much. Regards from the uh, executive lounge at the Inbal Hotel. Thank you. It's on sh- my chair, dedicated. Well, we did a show on the porch, and we're wondering why you weren't there. It would have been so much better if you would have been there. But all right, well, maybe next time, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, Mazal Tov. How was Atlanta, Georgia last night? Atlanta was uh, warm, but actually <laughs> very nice. And I have to thank the uh, uh, National Organization. They had their national convention and gave me the Zolt Award uh, for this year. And... Um, they were really, they, they do such great work at the hospital and the organization itself. And uh, so it was really, it was, a, it was a great opportunity. Was it a humbling experience? Always. Also, a, ma- a mazel tov going out. You know, Malcolm right now is at Champions Gate, the incredible Yeshiva University Leadership Conference down in Orlando, Florida. That's where he's speaking to us from. And uh, a mazel tov going out to Eliora and Noam Joel. A mm-hmm. uh, brand-new baby boy, which means, I guess, there'll be some type of a Shlom Zahar celebration tonight with Esther and President Richard Joel, I would assume. Well, as I asked him, uh, I was wondering what kind of herring he had for the Kiddush. <laughs> 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 but it's their 10th grandchild, Kananara, and well. he made many more, and he's uh, really done an amazing job. And, um, I, I have to say, I think it's an underappreciated institution for the amazing contribution it makes. And I have three interns from OU in my office, and they are the most amazing young men. Plus, you get to speak to a YU graduate on a weekly basis. Uh, that's true. And uh, yes, underappreciated uh, is a great word, not for me, but for the institution. A great, great word. And uh, one day, one day people will realize just how incredible an institution it is, and some people already do, which is wonderful. All right, we have a race. We have a race, Malcolm, and there are two horses in the race, uh, Trump and Hillary. Three and a half months from now, actually a drop less than that, uh, one of them will be designated as the uh, president-elect. Uh, I, I mean, I'd love to get your impressions of the uh, you know conventions in general, uh, but let's try to do it from a standpoint of, uh, of Israel of uh, you know the Jewish world, so to speak. Uh, number one, one would have to assume that you and I and many others could predict today what the Jewish vote will look like number-wise in November. With that in mind, knowing that it's relatively predictable, so to speak, uh, will there be a big effect on certain states when it comes to the Jewish vote? In other words, if both candidates really know how the Jews collectively are going to vote, nonetheless, are they going to have to court the Jewish vote actively because of the races going on specifically in places like Florida, Ohio, etc.? And Pennsylvania, and even Colorado. Uh, I mean, there are diverse places where the Jewish vote is considered in play and very significant because the margins could be very small. Um, uh, everybody's predicting a landslide Jewish vote. I think it's it's too early to predict what the numbers will be, and that the, the a lot of the speculation is really unproductive. But the um, the fact, contrary to what I think most people anticipated, is that uh, that there will be an effort to to win the Jewish vote, or if there is a Jewish vote, but many Jewish votes, uh, and while we're a small percentage overall, and I think that our focus should be on congressional races where communities can make a bigger difference, and 
where traditionally, you know, support has, has always come from, and we could see major shifts there in the Congress and Senate and House, um, that the uh, surprisingly coming out of this will be uh, at least some attention to the Jewish vote, which has not always been the case recently. Yeah, that's true. Isn't it amazing, though, just, you know, generally speaking, what the disfavorable or unfavorable rating of both candidates are at this point? It is incredible. They're both in the mid to high 60s. Hillary, believe it or not, according to yesterday's report, a higher unfavorable rating than Trump, which is so hard to believe. Well, let's see what it is after the convention, which, you know, give people a bounce and then it tends to settle back. But it is is very disturbing. It's the first time, I think, that you had the two candidates both with higher negatives and positives. And the mood generally, but I hope uh, in the coming weeks we'll have a chance to discuss that, the the candidates so much as what is the political dynamic in the United States. And what is is most disturbing, I think, as I told you before, um, that the issues, we have so many issues just in, I I started making a list last night of just all the issues in 24 hours, and, and I already had about 15 key issues that are coming up or ongoing, but have some development in the last day, and and, the, and people are not focused on it. Everybody is so focused, not just because of the conventions, but in general, the media just wanted to do, he said, she said, the, the focusing on what scandal or potential scandal or response to scandals. And they are not focused on incredible developments. When China and Russia announced joint military exercises in the South China Sea soon, when, when you have uh, um, these uh, attacks in, in Europe going on almost, uh, endlessly, you know, with despite the fact that Europe is spending two hundred billion dollars on its defense and, uh, and half its military are are are, are deployed in, in their streets, and the a top Iranian commander visits the Syrian Israeli border, uh, Al Qaeda and Al Nusra split, so many things I, I, I didn't even begin the list that are happening. And what worries me most is that people are not focused and. A few months from now, we're going to look back. Right. But how <laughs> how focused are the candidates, and might I even add, how focused is the current White House on the list that you created? I think that the White House is focused on their agenda of issues. Uh, I think some of these issues are not uh, being accorded the attention they warrant or, or need. And the candidates themselves will, will you know, will see what, what how much they get into issues in the in the coming weeks, once they're past the you know political stage of the conventions, from a Jewish standpoint, an Israel standpoint, and I'm sure you watch these speeches, you know, with with that in mind, very often, anything glaringly missing from either convention or anything glaringly included, including flag burnings, by the way, and certain flag displays at the the conventions. Like, what what are your impressions from a Jewish and Israel angle of the two gatherings? I just think it reinforced the, the concerns that people had before and that we have noted about uh, you know shifting uh, attitudes and certainly within certain camps uh, the Sanders uh, supporters uh, seeing the the um, some of the reactions uh, Hillary of course mentioned Israel Trump mentioned Israel uh, others did they didn't mention many other countries the uh, burning of the flag was outside and was condemned by the uh, campaign, the, the, the Clinton campaign. Uh, her, her staff issued a statement on her behalf. 
But I think that uh, people who have told me who were there both were concerned about uh, certainly the Democratic Convention about this element and, and the need for us to do much more to both isolate the negative elements and to reach out to, to different constituencies to shore up the support. We what need everybody. What about the uh, display of the Palestinian flag inside the arena? What do you think of that? Uh, not surprising. Um, when it comes to Israel vis-a-vis this election, a couple of interesting things. Um, did Israel or or Netanyahu specifically have to go out of their way to show support publicly for a two-state solution because the GOP went ahead and did not include two states in their platform this time around? No, he has been saying it all along, and because there are elements uh, working to try and, and portray Israel as violating it with the, some of the housing announcements, by the way, most of which are in the, what we define as Yerushalayim, in, in Har Choma, in Gilo, etc. Uh, so, so the State Department's criticism, you're saying, was unwarranted? I think that the, certainly the tone of it was unwarranted. You know, the criticism is automatic whenever there's a housing announcement, but I think a distinction should be made. You know, they, they said that one hilltop was, was recognized. Okay, they want to criticize it. But the but to include all of the housing units and many of these will not be developed for for a long time. Uh, but it has become a, a major uh, focal point of in general. And I think that this was meant to just it was a reaffirmation of a position the prime minister enunciated many times. For instance, we read about the um, 130 new units for Har Choma. I thought we were past the whole you know Har Choma being an illegal area. State, you know what I'm saying? So there, there. I raise this obviously, and and uh, try to draw the distinction that I said. If criticism at all is is valid, right? But the um, uh, this has been the standard policy. Yeah. This the tone was much harsher, right? Um, and the other thing was that um, there's a rumor. <laughs> or articles that are being written that 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 sound rumorous that the prime minister of Israel is per, would prefer if Donald Trump wins this election. Now, no, this not, he has been very very careful. He has not expressed any preference, and uh, will, will will not. He he learned the lesson in the last elections when people accused him of being one sided or you know ha- having made. Uh, Innocent, uh, often mistakes in this regard, and uh, he has been scrupulous not to show it. By the way, in regard to the housing, you know, I haven't heard yet the criticism that Abbas uh, is talking about suing Britain yeah. over the Balfour Declaration. Yeah, well, when you talk about not recognizing, <clears throat> here, here is not only not recognizing Israel post-67, pre-67, 48, now he wants to go back to the Balfour Declaration declaring it illegal uh, and and suggesting that they want to go to the international court against Great Britain because as for the audience the, the Balfour declaration uh, really became the international recognition right. of the legal okay. obligation to give effect to the right of the Jewish people to self-determination in their ancient homeland and and neither the Balfour declaration nor the mandate created the historical rights of the Jewish people to the homeland all they did is recognize the pre-existing rights of the Jewish people. And we never conceded those rights, not for thousands of years. 
but in 1922, it became part of the um, mandate for Palestine that was created by the League of Nations, that right. being the original Palestine, of meaning Israel. And, uh, and for him now to go back, it explains why he will not accept the declaration of Jewish state. And yet you don't hear the international community giving expression uh, to this at a time when Hamas announces that they're going to participate in the municipal elections that are coming up in, in October. And not just that, they're confident they're going to win them. And, the, and, and there are a lot of people there who are confident uh, that they're going to win it. Uh, uh, this is an organization that, this, that they just uncovered that they're building six miles of tunnels every month. Six miles of tunnels. That doesn't mean into Israel, but it's preparatory to building tunnels into Israel. I know, you gave us the impression that Israel was able to prevent these in ways. No, this is on the other side. Ah, good point. But and it, it, they can't prevent them. They can try. They can right. detect them better. And you notice there have been numerous work accidents, shall we say, right, about um, uh, about it. But. I got to go back to Balfour for a second. So Lord Balfour's declaration, I believe, was 98 and a half years ago. So <laughs> what is the statute of limitations on this? I'd like to know. That's number one in the international court. And secondly, I understand why you're frustrated by the lack of outrage. Uh, it, it, essentially, if you're suing Great Britain over the Balfour Declaration, you are completely uh, ridding Israel of any right that it might have to any land or area uh, in that part of the world, right? I mean, you're basically saying that, that Israel does not get an inch of anything. That's right. He's right. not recognizing. I want to make this clear to everybody. Me, I, that was the point why I was raising it, and the point I'm making for those who, who uh, you know, criticize Israel, and and you don't hear uh, the balance, and this fits into the UNESCO strategy and why I keep raising it, and I know people may be frustrated because they don't get the significance but here, this really underscores what the strategy is and what the underlying political philosophy is. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us. We're talking about the... Uh, events of the week with the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Um, so, what about so you mentioned the tunnels and the um, uh, the activity there on the border? So, it, what is the relationship now between Netanyahu and CC? Is he going to cooperate in trying to uh, uh, destroy these tunnels and um, and get the, the the work on them stopped? If I want to just add one other thing that that Abbas acknowledged for the first time publicly, he acknowledged that he turned down the peace offer in 2008 that would have given him an independent state, all of Gaza, much of the West Bank, you know, that the Omert deal. Right. And he said that he rejected it out of hand because Omert had scandals and because he wasn't an expert on maps. And, but, but he acknowledged it and when all the, you know, hoopla about who was responsible. Here you have Abbas himself, something others have acknowledged before about cc and i look at it by the way that the more cooperation with cc the less likelihood that israel has to go to war on that border absolutely and it's critical cooperation and it's expanding all the time and uh, if you notice the prime minister uh, netanyahu welcomed again the cc efforts towards peace he's trying to shift it i think from france to to um, egypt uh, and, and it's interesting that here is Israel trying to invoke the, the Arab countries to be crit, uh, part and parcel of the 
uh, negotiations. And while we weren't on the air, there was a delegation led by a former general of, from Saudi Arabia, Eshki, to, to Israel. But interesting, most interesting was that it was public, and he came with some businessmen. He's not an official of the government, and they, you know, some distanced themselves, others supported it. But the very fact that this was done and, and is another sign, it's not necessary a volcanic shift, but it is a significant uh, change and reinforcement of this of some of the of the developments in the region. Uh, some of it's anti-Iran. We see Iran becoming more aggressive and against Saudi Arabia. Uh, there have been a lot of mutual threats uh, going on, uh, but I think he is um, he is certainly looking and, and, and talking about CC in ways that he does not talk about the French initiative and, and uh, other efforts. Hmm. There was a secret meeting between Assad and Putin, and the meeting included discussion regarding Israel and the Golan Heights? Well, there were discussions. Uh, I think it had primarily to do with uh, uh, trying to win back Aleppo, and there have been very vicious bombing and fighting going on there. And uh, there's also been a lot of concern because there have been uh, shootings by uh, Syrian forces that have crossed into the Golan, and Israel, in fact, Netanyahu has been criticized for not responding strongly enough. They do send planes once in a while. They don't respond to each because, you know, the argument is that it's errant fire, it's mistaken, it's not intended to go there, but they're fighting not far away, and Israel has to send a strong message about uh, about what it will do to protect uh, its border, and this could be an attempt really to, to <laughs> test uh, the border and see how, how Israel will respond, what Israel's capability, as you saw with the drone that was flown over um, uh, over uh, the Golan, uh, and over northern into northern Israel from Lebanon. And now we have new Russian uh, Su-24 planes. These are frontline bombers that are due to come. So Israel is being told you better send a strong message now. And another big development in the Golan that has been oh, just over the last few days is that al-Nusra broke with al-Qaeda, and they are the major presence uh, along much of the border. And uh, the head who founded it in 2012, I think, uh, Abu Mahmoud al-Jolani, for the first time ever showed his face on an Al Jazeera broadcast where he announced the split with al-Qaeda, which may be a way to head off uh, a Russian attack uh, related to to the attacks on on Aleppo, but also on them uh, in in the uh, near in and near the Golan, and uh, they changed their name to the Fatah al Sham, uh, which means the front for the conquering of of Syria, I think, um, huh. and the, and but but it it anticipates that something more uh, could be happening and that there could be a, a showdown uh, between them. Did uh, did Putin, in fact, encourage Assad to get back to the negotiating table with Israel and put the Golan Heights on the table? There is no no possibility, no realistic possibility of negotiations under these uh, circumstances. Uh, there, you know, there are so many concerns that uh, about what is happening there. You know, a top Iranian commander visited the Syrian-Israel border last week. Yeah, what's that about? Well, they, they've been, they have a presence there. Remember, the Iranian general got killed there. That, that this, it's, it's either a symbolic demonstration or it's reflective of the fact that they're focusing attention and uh, that Iran, you know, they would love this as a way to unify 
the forces with Assad and f- turn the shift of the target to Israel away from from Assad. But you see the recruitment that al-Nusra and Islamic uh, State, uh, IS, have been doing amongst Palestinians in Lebanon, with a couple hundred of them having uh, recruited their competition between them uh, uh, on this. And ISIS, in the latest assessment, and you know that they caught 10,000 documents, and uh, it's bigger than WikiLeaks. In, a, in one of the recent battles this week, they, they found... Uh, terabytes of information, including the names of all the recruits, where they come from, etc. And the estimate now is that they have more than 30,000 fighters in Syria and Iraq, and they're recruiting at the rate of 500 to 1,000 a month. This was contrary to some of the recent assessments that it, that it uh, may have uh, uh, fallen, that the, the recruitment continues. Uh, it, the, the numbers are staggering. I mean, people, people, right. people, and, and people who panic about the bad guys. Think of yeah. Europe. Think yeah. of what's happened in Europe. Right. All of the attacks, scores and scores of attacks, and they can't have a, they don't have a handle on how to deal with these uh, foreign fighters. Uh, Europe spends two hundred billion dollars a year on defense. There are four million military personnel and a million, more than a million police officers. Half of the military in most countries is assigned domestically. And they don't have a handle on the terrorism. Now, think when you have all of these people, and it takes tens and tens of thousands just to monitor them in, when they come back. And they can slip in through any border and cross with passports and uh, come back. And you know that these guys are trained killers many times, men and women. So, yeah. Europe, it's, it's, uh, this is a really... Um, uh, a serious issue, and they're not equipped to deal with the, the real challenge. All right. Um, listeners are demanding, and they're right. I didn't ask you about Pence and Kane, and they're, I think we discussed Pence at one point. Uh, Kane we didn't know about yet in terms of uh, Hillary's running mate. And by the way, I, I heard a report that he actually boycotted Netanyahu's speech in yeah. Washington. You think that's going to affect the uh, the campaign? Well, people don't vote on the basis of vice presidents, but it does I mean, obviously becomes an issue. Um, uh, Pence's record was very strong. He was a governor lately, but as a member of Congress, he, he had a very strong record, very outspoken. Um, uh, generally, um, Kane was was supportive, but there are serious issues. One is that he did not, he was one of the eight senators who did not go to the Netanyahu speech, and he supported the Iran uh, legislation, but recently he was one of 36 senators pushing for the additional money for the um, Iron Dome and other related uh, missile defense projects. Uh, so I think we'll see greater examination of his record, Pence's record, in the uh, coming weeks. He boycotted the speech, Malcolm. I just said that. I know. <laughs> just trying to be dramatic because I'm sure that oh, people okay. people are going to be citing that constantly over the next three months. I can tell you that much. Um, and on this subject of the election one more time, so I read that um, it says... Once, I think this is from the Jerusalem Post, once older Jewish Democrats rallied around Israel as an issue, young ones always question the actions of Jerusalem. So that's saying, of course, that, you know, the more support for Israel, you're going to get the older Democratic Jewish vote. But is there, in fact, a, a very delicate way of playing the young Jewish vote in the Democratic Party because they're not always satisfied with the way Jerusalem acts and the, you know, the media has tremendous influence on them in that regard? Well, I do think that... Uh, both parts are true, that it is true that younger people tend to question or 
we always say that they're alienated, and yet as they get older, they come closer. But we do see a, a, a fundamental problem amongst uh, younger voters, especially uh, uh, and on the Democratic. From the as you go more left of this of the center, you get more of a problem. Uh, we don't uh, dismiss it. We take it very seriously because, for, for in most uh, issues in, in a political race, for instance, if people are disengaged, not even hostile, but disengaged, and they neutralize themselves out, they just don't matter if you're not for or against. When it comes to Israel, we need everybody, yeah, and true. so we have many efforts ongoing. And I think that there's a problem, and I admit uh, to part uh, early responsibility, about the focus on BDS. It's not BDS. It's not an economic thing. It, it, BDS is a tool. This is a fundamental drive to deny the legitimacy of Israel. There, it is at its core anti-Semitism. And that's what worries me, is that we're seeing more and more manifestations of anti-Semitism, especially on, on campus. There was a, a big spike, according to a report that came out um, this week, that from January to June, I think there were more than 100 uh, public and private colleges and universities with large undergraduate Jewish populations with uh, 287 anti-Semitic incidents at 64 schools. That's an increase of, of over 40% from the same period in 2015. And we're seeing the increases, of course, in Europe and seeing it in, in elsewhere, but here in the United States uh, as well. So... We really have to focus on it, and, and, you know, this becomes cancerous and metastasizes in the population, and we've seen it amongst the Sanders uh, followers, including uh, Jews, and uh, we have to do a much better job of Jewish education. We have to be more creative. We can't be dismissive of people just because they disagree. We have to try to win them over and, and convince them by the facts and by the truth. Yeah, when people say it can't happen here, we're not always looking for duplicate episodes of other periods of history. Right. Uh, we are looking sometimes at you know things that are unique to this period of time, and what you just described is pretty scary. Um, and by the way, on the topic of uh, again, just with the with the campaign, so Hillary did mention during her speech that she'll be very strong in terms of keeping the Iran deal. Uh, you know, one that Iran must stick to. Uh, but you speak on a regular basis, and let me just make this point, I know we've said it before, but you speak on a regular basis with leaders in that region in the Middle East who are much more worried about the day after the Iran deal expires than they are about the Iran deal currently. They are very worried about the Iran deal currently because they know that Iran is working all the time on its missile defense system. It makes it doesn't try to hide it. This is a violation of Security Council resolutions, not of the, even if not of the JCPOA, and um, and that's why she she made the reference uh, about making sure that they adhere to it because yeah. they're violating it all the time. This is the fourth ballistic missile test. Thank God it exploded just shortly after the, its launch. Uh, and and now the synergy with North Korea and the, the, the discovery supposedly of another facility in North Korea, uh, the, 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 uh, the, their announcements that their centrifuges are going to be 15 times faster. So people are concerned about today, about the chance of, of breaking out once they get all that they wanted out of it, how they will use the money that they're getting. If you see all of this support for terrorism that we see everywhere now, and their activities in Syria, activities in South America, all over the Arab world and Africa. I mean, they're claiming victory in this. Now, May 19th, there's going to be a presidential election, so you could see ratcheting up 
by the government in order to, quote, win the hardliners, as they say, but this will be both a local and a presidential election. May 19th, meaning 10 months from now? In, in uh, 2017, mm-hmm. right. It's not a long time when you're talking about an election in a country of 80 million people. No, I get that. I get that. I'm just, I'm just wanting to yeah, make sure. Yeah, but we're going to see a lot more. There was a video by Khamenei's office this week where it says that the U.S. is behind the attacks in, in Europe and elsewhere and saying because they backed ISIS and helped create ISIS, um, it, it is really quite remarkable. And we're seeing a lot of ethnic tension within uh, Iran itself, which could be exacerbated by the election campaigns. Uh, or And we could see a, a, um, a crackdown. But uh, you know, we've always they always warn us about the hardliners. The fact is that there are no non-hardliners in important positions. So true. Um, what happened with the uh, Turkish coup? Why didn't that coup work? Well, first of all, what didn't seem to be well planned, and you know, there's always a lot of speculation of who was behind it, who aided it. There, they said the Gulenists, but clearly, uh, President Erdogan didn't just come up with a list of tens of thousands of people. To, to remove from positions, you know, the generals taking over all the media yesterday, or much of the media, closing much of the media, uh, uh, going after jurists, removing even Supreme Court justices. I mean, to do that within 24 hours of the coup uh, means that it was prepared before. That does not mean that he started the, this revolution. Though There are people who have speculated that, and others who, who said that this became an excuse for him to carry out this crackdown. But Europeans and others have expressed really great concern and the United States government about uh, the implications of, of this uh, for both democracy and, and for greater movement towards Islamism, which you know, he is an Islamist, uh, in, in Turkey and what how this will relate. It, it, it was interesting when he was talking about def- blaming foreign governments. Many people thought he meant Israel because the guy who admitted res- as leading it, the, the Secretary of the Air Force, uh, uh, served as a military attaché in Israel for two years in the 90s. Interesting. So, but uh, that has dissipated greatly, and uh, thank God the Jewish community in Turkey was not targeted, even though there were, you know, many people were killed. There was rioting in the streets going on for days after days. Um, uh, but it seems to be uh, quieted down. But he, he will use this because his goal was to create this uh, really autocratic presidency, and uh, this may have given him an opportunity to do it. So is stronger the right word? Does he come out stronger after the coup attempt? I think yes, and he'll put his people into all these positions. The question is, can he find enough experienced people to put into these uh, these thousands of, of uh, positions, or how many will be you know cleared and brought back? Uh, but it's certainly a warning, and and there's a nationwide crackdown, uh, and we'll have to see how it plays out in regard to their war with ongoing wars wars with the the Kurds, uh, and uh, especially about his relationship uh, with Russia. And can there be a normal relationship between Turkey and Israel with him in power? Can it ever get back to where it was with him in power? I I don't know that it'll be back to where it was, but I do think there's a mutuality of interest, and he right now it's in his interest to have a better relationship with Israel. He wants to play a role in Gaza, and he's been allowed to send goods in, and so far the deal seems to be being implemented. The question is what he'll do about Hamas's presence 
in uh, in Istanbul. And uh, and if these new elections take place uh, in the PA, uh, that Hamas is uh, you know dedicated to um, running and winning, uh, when will these happen? Uh, this will happen in October. And the reason I ask it is because is it any? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how they plan their schedule. But it'd be interesting to see that all this change is going on as all the changes going on here in the United States. There, you'd have to assume that if Hamas is victorious or shows very well in those elections, there's going to be very little reaction from here because of our own transition that's going on. No, if, if God forbid Hamas wins in those elections, believe it, me, it, <laughs> you'll hear the reverberations. And uh, no matter what's going on in our political scene, yeah, because this by the. I don't know. I think people are going to be so tired of this after three more months of it. That, uh, but but one of the problems and concerns I have, and I've expressed this pretty widely, is that our own community, the the media, officials, even members of Congress, everybody is so caught up in the election. There are things being done in Congress, and they're getting no attention, and people are are not focused. And we see the courts this week um, stopped the seizure of a building in New York that was to, from Iran that was going to pay off many of the victims, and um, uh, the leaks by, uh, the, uh, the leak of the document about Iran's uh, rolled out, uh, the additional document to the um, uh, JCPOA last year that was not known, and about the fact that, you know, uh, by the 10th year they were ready to be able to, to, to put in the centrifuges, which will double their enrichment rate, if not much more, make it even faster. So even now we're seeing how these critical issues do not get the attention uh, uh, that they warrant. Uh, and look in Europe, you know, we're being overwhelmed by the number of attacks. Yesterday a, a Jew was uh, stabbed again by three people. They were yelling anti-Semitic stuff. The, there's an attack in Europe every 84 hours, uh, not against Jews, but some sort of a terrorist uh, a- action. And uh, they're, they're the kind of mobilization it requires. The governments are not indifferent to it. They're obviously responsive to it, and they're trying. It's, it's a very difficult circumstance, given the infrastructure you have of, of Islamists and the migrations of, uh, of such large numbers uh, of people. And, uh, and then, on the other hand, the positive news, when Netanyahu's very successful trip to Africa, now there's talk that he will go to Nigeria before the end of the year for the meeting of the West African Economic Union is about 15 countries, over 300 million people. Uh, that uh, I talked for a long time here on the show and talked about the openings in, in Africa, and we've we work on it as well. This is a whole new frontier for Israel, great economic and other opportunities, and hopefully weaning them away uh, at the United Nations and other places from their anti-Israel position. And the, you know, in the 70s, they broke the diplomatic relations. Uh, with Israel, which existed before, so hopefully their self-interest and they recognize it. Malcolm is down at Champions Gate, Yeshiva University Leadership Conference. You know you're going to be inundated with Trump Hillary questions over Shabbos. You know that. Well, I'm speaking here. We'll have to see. But on I, I, on I, I the topic, not, I don't speak about Hillary and Trump. I'll talk about what's going on. But again, because of people's obsession with it, it's just self-destructive because we're ignoring. All of the important developments, I mean, I'm page after page of things that are, are just happening now that we're trying to focus on, and it's overwhelming. And then the only people want to talk about is the latest, you know, comments by the, by the candidates or people around them. And it's very important who gets elected to be president. But at this point, you know, 
in, in, except for those states we mentioned, the Jewish vote will go where it goes, and it'll be pretty lopsided as it appears now. That can shift uh, quickly, and if any developments here in this country, everything will affect uh, the outcome. But we've got to focus on the issues. We've got to look at the things that are happening and, and will have a long, long-term impact way after November. I get that. But still, September 26th is the first debate, and it's probably going to be very entertaining. Oh, it will be interesting. <laughs> I, I will admit that. You might even watch it, huh? I, will, I can assure you that I will watch it. <laughs> Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos down there. Best regards to everybody at Champions Gate. I will, and I again, thank you, Todd Dawson. Thank you. Be well. Have a good Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos.